But if you actually embrace it and you, you courageously volunteer to have chaos in your life, you'll notice it actually moves you forward much quicker and with less resistance and actually will catapult you to higher levels. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. I hope you're doing wonderfully well. It's so nice to be your host. It's it, it's a pleasure. It's actually an honor of mine to be in this position where I can um, speak with incredibly talented people. And speaking of incredibly talented people, I'm the one with uh, Robert Riepel. Welcome to the show, Robert. Oh, thanks, Rick. Happy to be here and looking forward to assisting your audience with some golden nuggets or clues, as I call them. Yes, thank you very much, and we're looking forward to that. Now, uh, for everybody who's on the, on the line doesn't know much about Robert, you soon will. Now, he and I will be talking about life-changing habits that are going to help you achieve your dreams and why someone can have the same experience and knowledge or even less than you might have and still make more money. But um, before we do any of that, Robert, I think it's uh, a, a very uh, useful to give some, um, I guess, some background about your life. And maybe let's start off by uh, finding out where is home for you? I live in central Alberta in Canada uh, on a beautiful, beautiful acreage that my wife and I bought three years ago because we wanted to, instead of me traveling around the world so much, impacting lives, wanted to start allowing our students to come to my training center here in Alberta on our um, acreage. So beautiful area that I'm in. Yes, thank you for sharing. Now, that's, that tells me a lot about, uh, I guess, your mindset about uh, where you're at with, you know, how important environment is to, uh, you know, bring out the best in your performance. Now, tell us a little bit more about where you live. Is it, uh, is it in like the mountainsides? What, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, where we live, we are in farmland. Fantastic. We are in cowboy land. So we have a lot <laughs> of farms around. There's a lot of cattle, a lot of different kind of agriculture that goes on around us. So, I mean, when I say central Alberta, I'm between uh, an hour and a half away from the two major cities in our province. So we're dead center in the middle. And so we just get this beautiful view all around, even being able to see the mountains off in the distance, the beginning of the Rocky Mountains. So it's just an absolutely stunning area. Now, of course, Alberta, we do get winter. So yep. that's what kind of turns some people off. They're going, I don't know about that minus 30, <laughs> minus 40, plus wind chill. And it's like, it's like anywhere. You end yeah. up um, climatizing to it, right, Rick? Yeah, you get the good and you get the bad. I'm wondering, do you, um, when the weather is fine, do you have any hobbies? Do you like hiking? What's your thing? Oh, we love um, going camping. My wife and I will meet up with family. We'll circle our RVs up uh, on Crown Land and we'll just go hiking. We'll go quadding and eight, um, side-by-siding and just enjoying nature and, and living life, fishing, and just all that stuff. Summer times are the time to be away from home. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and that's uh, uh, far removed from, you know, having a sedentary life and not doing much, sitting in front of the, the box, as I call it, and it, uh, it, it's a transformation, isn't it, when you decide to get up and, and get out of uh, the place you live? It is, and you know, for my wife and I, we've been very blessed. We actually met when we were 13, we started dating when we were 16, and we got married when we were 19. Oh, wow. We just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary, and we, we kind of grew up and met in this area, but then moved away in 1991 for work. It took us 27 years 
to get back here yeah. and actually get an acreage and get space. Uh, and so we are just absolutely loving it because you're so right. When with the lockdown that happened, one of the biggest blessings we had was being having four and a half acres of space did not have to be you know so close to neighbors that you're not allowed to go out of your house. We could go out onto our acreage. We could be with animals. We could be with nature. So it allowed us to have a kind of easier on our state of mind, I guess you could say. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a, a really good dovetail into much of the conversation that we're going to be talking about, which is um, your books. Um, you know, part of that would be your mindset and goals, goal setting and all these different wonderful things that uh, we're going to be talking about. But when you were growing up, Robert, if we can wind back uh, time a little bit, I always like to give the audience some bit of a glimpse into your life. I'm wondering, um, when you were growing up, where were you growing up and what was one fond memory? that you can recall that you'd love to share with us? Well, yeah, growing up, you know, especially in the beginning, we moved a lot. My parents were, they would say, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. That's what they'd say. But then what I would see them doing is just to keep working and support our family, it was take whatever job you can. And even if you don't like it, you work hard, you stay loyal to support your family. Mm-hmm. And so we moved around a lot because it was hard finding work yep. in the beginning. And, and we grew up in, you know, when I was born, my parents were living in a motel because that's the only place they could find to live that they could afford. Mm-hmm. So we moved around a lot. And probably the fondest memories when we moved here to Alberta, roughly in the area I'm in now, because it was the first place that we actually spent more than six months or a year. And I finally was able to not only create friendships, but have lasting friendships because we weren't moving again. Yeah, thank you for sharing because that's uh, really tapped into something that's close to my heart because I was very much the same way. You're always moving around and um, you, you, I guess the one thing you do get from doing that sort of mobility lifestyle is that you, you get a different perspective about the different places that you live in. Now, along that journey, as you were growing up, um, you, you talked about family and I'm wondering, um, who, was, who was somebody who was uh, inspirational for you as you were growing up? Did you have anybody special in your life? Oh, that was an inspiration. Wow. Good source of, you know, Family mentorship. Or, oh, well, you know, for me, it was an organization. Uh, mm-hmm. When we, here in Canada, we have what's called a cadet organization, and it's tied to our armed forces. So for C, you have the C cadets. For the Air Force, you have Air Cadets. Of Army, you have Army Cadets. And I started in the younger version of the C cadets at the age of um, 10, which was called Navy League. And just going through from 10 to 12 and a half, I was in Navy League. And I learned a lot about discipline, about leadership. And then at 12 and a half, age 13, I was able to go into the Sea Cadet organization till 19. And I look back, and that was probably one of the parts of my life that really allowed me to be who I am because I did see what it was to be able to, you know, have some discipline, um, have leadership, learn some skills. Um, in fact, I was going to be an officer in the Navy. And at the age of 16, I actually was able to get a three-month berth on, on the Canadian Armed Forces um, ship with five other cadets and when I stepped off the ship I went yeah no I don't no. want to be in the Navy <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass and, on that right so I was so glad I got to learn that then yep. instead of getting my scholarship going through um, Naval College becoming an officer and having to commit at least seven years you know for the education 
So, you know, very fond that I learned at a young age that the Navy was not for me. The first thing that pops into my mind is fortuitous, but I I also hear that um, through your experiences in those cadets that you learned this discipline and um, that's a major um, thing to to have that exposure. And I'd love to talk about how that's, um, I guess, influenced as you as you've moved into other fields. Now, I know that uh, you had uh, a deep involvement with app development. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I was getting, when I started conceiving the my first book, Success Left a Clue, mm-hmm. I was thinking about writing it. I kind of knew what I wanted to put into it, and I was doing a training where I was one of the guests at an event, and then I had time off the stage. Where Rick, one of the biggest things about me is I will always be alert. I'm yep. never going to quit learning. Yep. So I'm going to be in the audience as much as I can. And there was breakout rooms, so I walked into a room, and I walked into the wrong one, or so I thought. <laughs> I walked in, I sat down, and he's, the person starts talking, he starts talking about apps, and this is back in about 2013, and I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I'm in the wrong room, and I get up to leave, and I'm just about at the door when he said something that stopped me in my tracks. He had been giving great data on apps, and he said, look, most people start a business, and they start the business, they develop their website, and then as an afterthought, they develop an app for it. Why not? use an app to launch your business. And that caught my attention. I stopped, turned around, sat back down, listened to the rest of his presentation, waited until everybody talked to him, and then I went over and I said, look, can an app launch a book? And he said, well, tell me a little bit about your book. So I kind of went through the six steps I wanted to write in my book, and he just started telling me all these brilliant things that we could do. And I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I'm like, you can do that with an app. And he's like, absolutely. And that sparked the idea of creating my app called Amentora, which is like having a mentor in your um, pocket. And it's my book in app form. And so from there, we started designing it. um, You know, of course, ups and downs, ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. Design an app, it's going to be easy. No, no. Yeah, no. no. Uh. (laughs) And version one came out, and it wasn't. It wasn't as dynamic as I wanted it to be, but we let it run for a few years yep. just so we could get the knowledge of what's working, what are people liking, what are they not liking, what would we do different. And then we started on version two, which we're now in the process. We're near the end of being able to finish the coding, making it look pretty. Yep. And version one, we've taken offline because it was good. It was good, but it wasn't what I wanted. Version two is freaking dynamic much better um, and we've integrated artificial intelligence into it that makes the whole experience we've gamified it, which just makes it um even more powerful so yeah picture when people have a chance to read my book picture having an app that walks through everything that the book teaches you that's amazing yeah look i can see that you're committed to continuous improvement that's a big tick in my book and you obviously want to deliver an amazing experience now i'm, I'm wondering um when you create an app, is that somewhat different than a website? What What's the oh, difference huge. B- between the huge. two? I always often get confused. Yeah, well, because I'm not techie, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, and, um, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had an investor come on board fairly early, and we, for, on a recommendation, had hired a developer to do the app. And I'm very, what's really important to me is things like the the security. Um, you know, for because if I'm going to have a database of people's information, I want to make sure that we're doing the right things and coding yeah. properly. And so I had hired someone that had an in-house team. 
And so I thought he wasn't outsourcing. And one day, it's a Sunday, I'm driving from one city to another to visit family. And all of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's my investor, who's now a friend. He's an office student. Yep. And he says, look, I'm so sorry for calling you on Sunday. I'm like, what's going on? He said, well, something was bugging me about the way the coding's going. Because this friend of mine, he's also a genius at um, uh, coding himself. Yep. And he said, someone was bugging me at the way they were doing it. He said, so, he said, last night, I downloaded a virus off the internet, and in 20 minutes, I hacked our complete system. Oh, no. Now, first, my first reaction is, so why are you apologizing for calling me? I said, I don't care when it is, I need to know that. And thank goodness, Rick, we ha weren't live yet. So yep. we didn't have a database to yep. be hacked or anything. And so at that moment, we ended up taking a deeper dive into what was going on in the coding, and we found out that a lot of outsourcing was happening, and a lot of um, easy-to-hack coding was being used, and it wasn't what was being promised. So we basically fired the developer, mm -hmm. completed, cleaned up the app as much as we could to get it launched and start learning with it. And then when we decided to do the second version, it was actually easier and cheaper to start from scratch than oh, trying to take. Wow. So that's a big difference between an app and a, a website. Yeah. A website, you can go in and make some adjustments, and I don't like this, and, and uh, correct. But in an app, the coding, the, all the lines, a lot of the times, you have to start from scratch yeah. if it hasn't been set up properly in the beginning. Well, I'm pretty sure we could go deep and wide on that conversation alone, but I think we'll leave that part <laughs> where, <laughs> where it is. Now, yeah, I, don't bring up that uh, energy. I will never bring that up ever again. <laughs> I know as a business owner, you know a lot about systems. Now, I know that you've had experience in certain industries which rely heavily on systems. Has, has systems played a big part uh, in your uh, the development of uh, everything that you're doing? Yes, and even more now. Um, you know, I used to be a Domino's Pizza franchisee is probably one of the things you're referring to yes, for I mean. nine years. Yep. And my wife and I, we knew how to run a store, but when we became franchisees, we didn't know how to run a business. Mm. Two totally different things. And I'm actually right now rereading, and that's the key word, rereading yep. E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Because that, I, I look at it as kind of a double-edged sword. I wish I would have had that when I was a Domino's Pizza franchisee, but then if I'd had it, I would probably would have run my stores differently and I'd probably still be a franchisee and not truly living my passion the way I am now. So, it, it, you know, it's that catch-22. Yeah. I wish I'd had it, but I'm get, I look back and I go, thank goodness I didn't. Yeah. Because the lessons we learned has allowed me to be where I'm at today. Um, but systems are so important that, it, to me, an entrepreneur has to utilize systems. Rem don't think that you're the only one that can do something. I don't care if you're copying every keystroke. You use the um, programs that can watch every keystroke you do on your computer mm -hmm. and track it so that you can then say, here's how I do something to someone for someone. Um, having someone that shadows you to end up writing down your daily routine so you're not trying to figure it all out. Someone shadowing you watches you. This is yeah. why I'm big on having like a virtual assistant now, which I never used to have. I didn't think... I hell I can't even train them. But now that I've got one, I'm going, Where were you fifteen where years ago? You? Yeah. Because she not only is learning my style, but she's also writing the manuals that as I need more assistance, she can train that on who I am, my style. I don't have to do it. So it's all systematized. 
if for whatever reason she's not with me anymore, there's a whole onboarding system in place for the next virtual assistant. So systems are critical. Everything. I have opinion. a question, Robert, on VAs. Do you find it hard to, I guess, uh, know what to get them involved with? Where did you start? Because I often have conversations about this and it can be quite difficult. That was my struggle. That yeah. was my struggle because I'm like, what am I going to do? But then I found, because I'm using actually two, I now have three VAs. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got them from two different companies because I wanted to, um, I wanted to split test. Yep. And so the first one just blew me away because what they did is they sat down and had a conversation and said, we will make the onboarding easy because we're going to interview you, get to know who you are, what you're looking for. We'll then go and do the due diligence and the all the background checks and bring you some people to interview that we think are a match for what you're looking for. Then we'll help you with the onboarding. And as we the person that you choose starts with you, they're going to document everything so that it's all systematized. Yeah, and that company has made it so easy that it really was. Uh, the the um, young lady who's like, she is a, a godsend. She now oversees my other two VAs from the other company because she's so on it. She's made my life that much easier. And so, um, yeah, I, I just, I came across from doing um, research, I came across an amazing company that has made it so seamless for me. Yeah, I can, seamless. you know, and this is some of the things that uh, this audience really enjoys is digging into what's working. So I really appreciate you sharing. Now, I also know, Robert, that you are very well balanced. You can't buy experience. And I know you have a lot of experience in the training industry as well. Um, um, given all of the things you've done, tell us a little bit about um, your training experience and how that's helped you um, to get to where you are today. Well, I'll tell you, it, it changed my life. Um, Eight-year mark of being a franchisee. My wife and I are spending habits. And, you know, Rick, you probably, you've never experienced anybody that's ever done this probably before me, but we were spending more money than we were earning. <laughs> and I know that may shock you. I mean, oh, that no, no. you. <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> and at the eight-year mark, we were over $150,000 in debt and going down quickly. And that's actually when we were introduced to personal development. Yep. We end up going to a three-day weekend where we learn why we're in debt, more importantly, to take ownership, to actually you know, take responsibility that we're the ones that created the debt. No one else to blame. Yep. It was our habits, our beliefs, our you know, way of being. And then third, we learned specific actions we could do to actually get out of the debt if we want. And when we left that three days, we did something that unfortunately a lot of people don't do. See, in, in all, I can only give you this statistic in North America. I know it's mm. different in other countries and usually yep. higher. But in North America, only 3% of people on average will actually utilize knowledge that they've been taught. That's it, new knowledge. And so a lot of, well, a lot of people walked away from the weekend going, wow, that was amazing. That changed my life. They didn't do anything with it. They went back to their old way of life. Whereas my wife and I, more out of necessity probably, went, we have to make changes. Have to do and this. so we took that information and we put it into practice. And the next thing you know, nine months later, we go from being over $150,000 in debt mm -hmm. to actually being completely retired financially free at the age of 32. Wow. And that's exactly what our mind went. It went, yeah. wow, if this information <laughs> gives that result, what would more learning do? So at this point, we dove into learning from as every master's we could. The yep. next two and a half years, we were learning everywhere because I'm a big believer. Don't just learn one way. Don't just learn from one person. Learn from as many people as you can and take nuggets from all of them, clues from all of them. And that's where I found my passion was to be a trainer. 
because I here, here's how it started for me, Rick, and, and I want your audience to realize, don't think your dreams have to be so big that you get overwhelmed and you don't know how to start. My dream started with if I could help even one person, one person do what my wife and I have been able to do, go from deep in debt to financially free, it would be all worthwhile. And because of that one step in the right direction, I love the quote that says, one step in the right direction is worth a thousand years of thinking about it. Yes. Because most people outthink themselves. And because I took that one step, today over the last 18 and a half years, I've now been blessed to travel around the world several times and personally train over half a million students on how to create financial freedom and how to really own their life. So now that's kind of how I became a trainer and I look back and I go, this this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you sharing and, and your passions coming through on the call. And I know that people are listening to this going, you know, well, how do I get myself a piece of this? And I think to myself, surely this must have been the genesis for you deciding to write books. Is that where this has all come from? Yeah, and, and actually it's funny. It's 2002, while I'm still a student, I decided I'm going to write a book because I heard someone on stage say, write a book. And I didn't know what I was going to write in it. I just knew I wanted to write a book. <laughs> and it took... It took 15 years for that first book to come out. 15 which years. Which is, yeah. You know, Rick, i tell you, I'm a procrastinator. Oh, I yeah. am a world-class procrastinator. <laughs> Number one. I, that not, yeah, I, I tell you. And, and one of the things that I've realized, and, and people go, well, how do you overcome that? How do you get rid of being a procrastinator? And I take a different view on it. I know I'm a procrastinator, so mm -hmm. I don't beat myself up over it. Yep. But what I do is I use a quote that, uh, that I came up with that I now say to myself daily. And the quote is this, I design my day in such a way procrastination cannot play. Uh, and see, if I have a chance to sleep in, because I haven't had to work for money for years. Yep. So if I have a chance to sleep in, I'll sleep in. So on purpose, I will schedule meetings and calls and trainings and interviews for early in the morning. You see, yes. the moment I make a yep. commitment to someone else, I'm up. Otherwise, and, and again, I know none of your audience is ever going to relate to this, Rick, but I am actually a snooze button ninja. Ninja. <laughs> that snooze button doesn't even know I'm coming sometime. Bang. I am so quick and efficient on it. <laughs> you didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> That's right? wonderful. But, but have you ever noticed... Because, you know, here in Canada, we have nine minutes between when the snooze button goes off and it, the alarm goes off a second oh, yes. time. Have you ever noticed that's some of the best sleep you get yeah. all night? <laughs> the deepest as well. I absolutely know what you're talking about. That's for sure. I, um, I, I wonder, um, did you find the writing experience like you did it in small blocks of 250 words per day? Because I know that there's a lot of people who are aspiring to become uh, authors. Is that is that how you dealt with this procrastination no that's why it was a procrastination because I'm a very in the moment person and so I'd sit down I'd open my computer and I know what I want to say yeah but before I could type it down it was gone yeah and that would frustrate the hell out of me yeah and I'd close the computer and, and have you ever thought of something you're like that's brilliant and 10 seconds later you can't even remember what it was <laughs> right so that's what was going on for me yeah and so when um, you know, kind of 2002 to 2008 I was developing, I was learning, I was becoming a trainer. So the book wasn't big on my mind. I was talking about wanting to write a book, 
And then I took a break in 2008 because I overdid, I overlived my passion. I got burnt out. Yeah. Uh, and I was training so much, I was only at home on average two days a month. And so I overlived and I ended up going through two back surgeries. I ended up taking three and a half years off because of my health and not taking care of me. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, a friend started kicking me in the butt and he said, Robert, you've been talking about writing the book for a long time. Write it. Do it. And that's when the procrastination write started because I open the computer and go to write. I get frustrated and close it. Come back to it a couple weeks later, open it, start to write. It just And it, I did that for about two years when all of a sudden I had one of those Rick, do you know what a one-handed clap is? Yes. I also, I had that one-handed yep. clap. Yeah. <laughs> and epiphany. I was like, epiphany, yeah. I'm like, no wonder you're struggling, Robert. You've never wrote a book before. And I hadn't you know, sought out a coach or someone to show me how to do it. I was trying to do it on my own. And wrong answer. <laughs> but, you know, this is what most of us do, right? I'll figure it out. Yep. And, uh I, I find I also when I start had that realization, I'm like, no wonder you're struggling. You've never written a book before. So what do you know how to do? And I have these conversations with myself all the time, Rick, just so you know. Talking yeah. to yourself is never a problem. I only think it's a problem when you start arguing with yourself. <laughs> then maybe it's a problem, right? <laughs> and so I also it's like, well, what do I know how to do? I know how to design a training and do a training. So I took my computer back out, opened it up, and instead brought up my template for designing a training. Uh, and in two hours, I wrote a full one-day training based on my book of what I wanted in it. And then I phoned up one of my students who now had a training company because I'm on my hiatus. And I said, look, um, I, I know you've got three-day trainings that you do. Would it be all right if I come down and teach the first day of one of your trainings with my material? And he's like, oh, my God, Robert, that would be a dream. I've been wanting to do something with you. When? Let's do it. When? And I went, I went and did that twice. And I, now I'm on stage. I'm in, my, in the moment. I'm saying what's flowing. I'm, like, so present that the magic's coming out. And we recorded the whole thing. We recorded it twice. So now, here I am. I take the two audio recordings, and I send it to a, a ghostwriter, Yes. And in two weeks, she put it into book format. There's a book. Yeah. And, Incredible. And, but here's, here's what's interesting. That was done by 2012. But remember, I said I published it in 2017. It was a 15-year yeah, project. Well, I put the, um, you know, I can, I can beat myself up over it or because I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, when I finally said, you know what, it's time to put the book out. And let's do it. Let's set a date. Let's get it published. Let's get it out. I pulled the full complete manuscript out at the beginning of 2017, the year we decided it's time to publish it. And I actually went in and ended up rewriting half the book. Because in those five years, I had changed even more. Things had changed. Yeah. And so I went deeper. I was able, so it was meant to come out when it did. And so I was able to look at the book and go, yep, don't like this. Move that. This better here. Expand on this. Replace this. And so I rewrote half the book, and that's what made it what it is today. Yeah, that's an incredible story. I love how you're shifting and staying relevant, which is a big thing because you talk about being real relevant and repeatable, and I'd love to uh, shift gears if we could, uh, Robert, yeah. and actually talk about the book itself and what people are likely to find in it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's an easy read, but it is a workbook. I didn't write it as a book that you read and then put on the shelf and becomes yeah. shelf help. 
That's yes, not sure. why I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it as a workbook because I cover six steps to designing the you know an amazing life. And step number three is taking action. Yeah. Something I referred to earlier in our conversation. And so all the way through the book, I have action steps. And I actually say, stop reading now, complete this action. And in the next chapter, it'll say, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now, go back, complete that action, oh, is it and then yeah. read. Yeah, because I realized we are creatures of habit, and I'm working on changing people's habits. So by it being a workbook, I want them to start doing the actual actions right as they're reading it, because those six steps will absolutely impact your life. See, that goes back to what you were talking about earlier. When we learn something, when we're training in something, we get excited, but we don't actually follow it through. It makes all the sense in the world to link it to actual activities, doesn't it? It does. That's exactly it. Now, uh, in terms of your new book, if we can maybe just talk about that uh, momentarily yeah. as well, because um, there's a lot going on. I don't even know if there's a third book, I wonder. <laughs> um, you've, you're coming out with another called The Authority Key, How to Unlock and Open the Door to Your Success. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, is it how you started this whole interview? And, and you know, or it's a question I ask people. I say, have you ever noticed that people can have the same amount or less knowledge and experience as you, but yet they make more money? Mm -hmm. And all my, because I'm watching people all the time, I'm curious, I'm wanting to know where they got their success, not just the success, but I want to know the journey of it. And I started noticing that there's a difference between the incomes people were making, regardless of your experience and, your, and regardless of your knowledge, it came down to who is perceived as an authority and who's not perceived as an authority. And what I started to notice is there's a lot of things, as an example, hosting a podcast helps you be seen as an authority. It, it helps you that way. So there's a lot of physical things and practical things you can do to position yourself as an authority. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to take a deeper dive into the inside the mind. Who are you and who do you have to be to be able to maintain being an authority, to be able to actually handle what it can bring your way? So a real big focus on the book is going to be on the inner um, consciousness, what's going on in your mind, your body, your soul, as you are on this journey. And so, you know, I talk about as an example, the acronyms. I love using acronyms. So the acronym of unlock, that's a lot of the practical skills. Yeah. The acronym of open is what I call my four phases of life that people are always going through. And when you understand those four phases, and then how to identify which phase you're in, and then what to do to best utilize being in that phase, that allows people to have success more effortlessly, not get as stressed. Because one of the phases is something called chaos. And most people resist chaos. chaos. But if they realize chaos is natural, chaos is actually meant to be in our lives. And if we learn to actually embrace it, because as human beings, we're meant to evolve. And the reason chaos comes in and smacks people upside the head is because they get stuck. They get comfortable. So chaos has to come in with that thump to move you. But if you actually embrace it and you, you courageously, courageously volunteer to have chaos in your life, you'll notice it actually moves you forward much quicker and with less resistance and actually will catapult you to higher levels. So I really take a deep dive into the inside work that has to happen for people through the through the four 
um, phases of life, through the four currencies of life, through what mm -hmm. I call the authority master key. And that's how to be vital in life and in everything that you do. So it's a real deep dive of these last 20 years of all the trainings and the learning and the people I've been blessed to share the stage with. Noticing what's working, what's not working, it's all going into this book. Robert, when you started talking about this, you lit up the room as if uh, my computer screens had put on, been put on full brightness. It's certainly something that you're uh, very, very passionate about, and it's a credit to you. I can see how this is going to make a difference for your audience and now the My Future Business audience. Now, given your experience as a trainer and what you've talked about and how things have come out uh, uh, before, will this likely become like an information program where you train? Uh, how else are you going to deliver this content outside of the book? itself yeah <laughs> well I, I'm, I'm gonna give your listeners a practical um, skill right here right now if, if they're open to it if absolutely open to it, right? thank you very much one of the, yeah one of the reasons most people they think they have to create something and then start selling it and marketing and or you know hoping to get a return on it yeah. but when you're a trainer right now even having this conversation I'm writing my book uh, I'm writing my book that. You see, because in these interviews, I'm getting to talk about it again and again, and the different questions are about different parts of the book, which now, as I'm doing the interviews, I can sit there and go, hmm, that's something I'm definitely keeping in the book. You know, this I'm going to enhance here. So I'm, instead of me trying to sit down and write the book, by talking about it a lot, it's actually creating itself, and I'll repurpose the information. So one of the other ways I'm doing that is I'm actually teaching the book right now. I actually do yes. live two and a half hour and two day trainings based on the concepts in the book, which again is writing the book for me. It's the power of conversation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this call. Yeah, you've been such a wonderful source of uh, inspiration and knowledge for everybody who's on the show with us today. Now, um, most importantly, coming to the pointy end of the call, Robert, if people want to access uh, both Success Left a Clue and uh, the Authority Key, how do they get their hands on it? Well, I'll tell you, since you were so gracious, Rick, to invite me to be a guest, what I've decided to a do pleasure. is we're doing it as a gift from both you and I to your listeners because they're taking their valuable time to listen. Mm -hmm. I so appreciate that. You know, I value people's time so much. And so what I would love to do is my first book, Success Left a Clue, that the digital copy of it, all mm -hmm. of your guests, if they go to robertrealpel.com, my name, nice and easy, R-O-B-E-R-T-R-I-O-P-E-L.com, they'll actually be able to download as a gift to them the full digital version of Success Left a Clue. And notice I said the full digital. It's not just a teaser. They get to download the full book. And with that um, caveat that don't just read it, do the action steps. And if they do that, I guarantee you the, the changes and the impact in their life will be powerful. And so that's the easiest way to kind of move forward and access it and stay in touch with me. That's fantastic. I certainly will be downloading it and reading it and 
taking action on what I find. <laughs> Thank you so very much for that, Robert. I'm sure that everybody who's on the call today will be doing exactly the same as I'm going to be doing. And uh, as is normally the case, if you've been listening to this call, you want to get access to that, I'll be making um, access to that URL, robertreappell.com, available to you below this post. No matter where you find this call, you will definitely find the links back to Robert and his wonderful book works. And with all that being said, Robert, you know what I'm going to say now? What a wonderful call, and thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.